welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey friends, welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry. This week, I'm joined by Tyler. What's up? Ashley. Hey. And Jean. Hello. And this week on the podcast, we're talking all about homeschoolers and specifically what do you do with the homeschoolers in your ministry? Uh, Because homeschoolers can in some ways be a a little bit different than the traditional student or the public school or private Mm -hmm. school student in your ministry. And they might have some unique needs that uh, that we're going to unpack here. Uh, Wash wash your wording. Wash your wording. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why should I watch my wording, Tyler? I'm just don't don't offend the homeschoolers at this table, CJ. Well, that's a good that's a good place to start. I want to find out who is a homeschooler or was a homeschooler. Hopefully you're not still being homeschooled. Uh, at this but table. But if you are, <laughs> but if it's you, okay. It's okay. <laughs> Who was homeschooled at this table? I was. Uh, Ashley, were you homeschooled? I was not. Jean? I was not. What about you, CJ? I was also homeschooled. Uh, so we have two people here at the table who were homeschooled and two that weren't, which I think will be a good good balance as yeah. we unpack some things here. Uh, but first, I want to dive into, so what ages were you homeschooled, Tyler? And uh, yeah, so tell me about your homeschooling background. So you're you're really trying to introduce a segment called how homeschooled were you <laughs> is what we're doing right, right now. <laughs> we're trying right. to see which one right, of you. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So if, if, if this is the game we're playing, I could have been in a commercial for homeschooling. That's how, wow. so I- Do they have those? Commercial? <laughs> Probably. They're not good. I guess they're not good. <laughs> Got they're it. not public. <laughs> yeah. It's to a select audience. Okay. So I was homeschooled from first grade all the way through to graduation. Wow. Get this. I worked at a Chick-fil-A. So that's that's two points there. Yeah. I played on a homeschooled soccer team. So that's three points-ish, yep. depending on how you want to call it. Um, I went to community college. I don't know if that's a thing that you know of, but all my homeschool friends did that. So I feel like that's a point for me. Okay. Um, I went to a homeschooled prom. Oh, uh, Pause. Tell us about your homeschooled prom. How does that work? Homeschool prom was, uh, I was a part of like a, 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 like a body of like homeschooled students that would meet every single week and the parents would teach classes. So it was a way of like going to class. It's like a co-op. It was, it was called a co-op. Yep. Yep. It was called a co-op. So part of that co-op, uh, they, they did some events and one of those things was a prom. So I went to prom my junior year of school, not because I wanted to, I got asked to prom, which was fine. I was like, sure, let's go to prom. Uh, it was it was okay. Uh, the DJ, the first song, like it was like the DJs were kind of like, all right, like we're gonna have a great time tonight. Like it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then the next song that got played was Shine Jesus Shine, which to me, was not what I was expecting. That's great. No, thanks for sharing. You've got, you scored all five points, five out of five for the the homeschooler. What about you, CJ? Uh, well, I, I did homeschool. I homeschooled through high school. So um, not the whole, I, I went to a traditional school and then uh, switched over to homeschool in my high school years and did kind of like a homeschool program co-op thing where you still had some teachers involved. So not as homeschooled as Tyler, but still sure. homeschooled. Didn't play but, with the homeschool talker team. But there, there are like unique levels of homeschooling and it is a very uh, unique culture and that's what we're kind of 
that's what we're going to dive into here. Yeah. So what changed that you transitioned from traditional school to homeschool for high school? Yeah. Like, uh, what was the reason behind it? Uh, honestly, my parents just decided to. So I didn't have much say in whether or not I was homeschooled or not. I think they were just decided that, hey, we're going to all three. I'm one of three kids and all three of us. One of them went to private school, one went to public school and I was homeschooled. So it was kind of unique oh, that they kind of looked at us and decided what they thought each kid needed for better or for mm. worse, you know, uh, and, and in some ways, and in some ways it was a great thing. Tyler, did you have a choice uh, in whether or not you were homeschooled? It was a choice made for me in like first grade. Mm -hmm. Later on, I, so this is probably important to note, there's a whole range within homeschooling that I'll just speak to in a moment. There's there's some, some of my fellow classmates in homeschool loved homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I realized freshman year of high school, I did not. So that's probably important for listeners to know and for you all to know is that there's probably a share of what, how students specifically feel about this. Mm -hmm. I think I realized in high school, I didn't like being homeschooled. Uh, so I tried to go get get a transfer to a, a public school in junior year and for whatever reason, it, it didn't, <laughs> didn't work. work. So, yeah. Do your parents ever explain to you like their reasoning behind homeschooling? Because I, I feel like there are different reasons as to why people homeschool because of they yeah. want to be in charge of their time or because you Gene, know, you're not hosting this podcast. Sorry. You can't ask us the questions. No, <laughs> proactive no. or reactive to you know like yeah. education. You know, like certain situations. Like, yeah. do you get does do you get involved in those conversations at all? Uh, I got involved in conversations like uh, like after I graduated college, where I was like, Mom, Dad, why did you why did why did you homeschool me? And regardless of those reasons, like there are what you're saying is like within homeschool, there are a lot of different options of what that can look like, and so that's mm -hmm. probably important to note. Of like, there are so many different reasons, and there's so many different uh, ways that can look for a student when you are homeschooled. I went to school with kids who were like Olympic athletes, and that was the reason that they were mm -hmm. homeschooled was because it allowed more flexible training schedules. I went to school with kids who were like insanely smart, and what homeschooling allowed was a uh, like an expedited learning process where they could go through their studies quicker, graduate sooner, whatever that was going to be just because they could handle it. Um, and then you also, you find other kids who like their parents wanted to be in, in more control of what they were learning, stuff like that. So there's a lot of, I don't mm. know if any of those. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think as a middle school or a high school or a ninth grade, you know, at a, at a ninth grade level, you're not really in some way self-aware enough to like ask your parents, hey, why did why did you choose to home? Why are you yeah. choosing to homeschool me? Um, but in hindsight, similarly, you know, it you do have those conversations as you get older. And for me, it was uh, they didn't love the public school system and where we were living. And uh, they wanted me to focus on music. So I did play, I played several instruments growing up and they thought, hey, this is a really good thing for you to get into, yeah. to develop and and you need to hone these skills more. And it's just really hard to, you know, do some of that at the level they were wanting to see in me uh, if you have a traditional school schedule. So very similar to what you're saying as far as like, uh, I know I look like I, I was probably an Olympic Olympic athlete, but I wasn't. And that wasn't the reason they decided to homeschool me. Sure. Like if oboe was an Olympic <laughs> sport. Okay. So <laughs> let's dive into, let's dive into this a little bit more. So uh, agree or disagree. It's more difficult to reach and connect with a homeschooler uh, in your community than a student from a tr traditional school system. I feel like that that's hard. I think it depends. What do you yeah, think? I think it depends too. Like, are we talking about a one-on-one -on -one conversation? Are we talking about in a small group setting or like what's the context? I, I don't know if this helps. I would, I see 
two kind of angles of yeah. one is how how a student or a kid connects with an adult leader or a somebody like a ministry leader or a small group leader and then how a student might connect with their peers at least it was my experience that i was well able to connect with adults but i wasn't as good in my middle school and high school years with connecting with my peers were you aware of that as a middle schooler a little bit yeah okay yeah, yeah not fully aware but you you knew that there was more difficulty connecting with other students than there probably should be. Do you think that's changed at all now that like technologies move forward and social media platforms are- Like for me or for other homeschoolers? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just thinking like, as we've been preparing for this podcast, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about how different homeschool is now than when I was in school mm -hmm. yeah. and even when you were in school. And so, and I think, you know, four years of traditional high school or traditional middle school are gone in America. I think more and more often there are homeschool programs, there's hybrid homeschool programs, mm -hmm. there's virtual classrooms, yeah. there's so many more opportunities yeah. and options. And so that's why I'm really excited that we're talking about this because I think when we talk traditional homeschool, that's one thing, um, but I think it's not the same as it used to be. And I think when we look forward as a church, I think it's gonna continue to change. And I think we're gonna have to tackle this topic in, in a lot of different contexts, but we're gonna have more and more of these situations because learning is being decentralized in the education yeah. system. Yeah. So you're saying more more as a, as we think about education, this is only gonna be more of a thing, whether you call it homeschooling or not, the variety in educational avenues, even if that's as a public schooler, but you're going to college classes, junior, senior year, right. like those are all challenges that we're gonna have to face regardless when it comes to students. I remember being a teacher in the school system. Um, and this was, let's say it was, I think back in like 2010, this specific conversation happened. So that was what nine, almost 10 years ago. And I remember we spent 45 minutes in this all staff meeting talking about how students, middle schoolers were not allowed to use tablets in the classroom. And this was like the, the position the school system was gonna take on tablets in the classroom. And then you look fast forward 10 years and textbooks are pretty much only on tablets these days. Mm -hmm. And you look at colleges, when I was getting my master's degree, the only online degree you could get was from like this school in Arizona, you mm -hmm. know, there, there wasn't all kinds of opportunities to get classes online. And now you see college students and high school students taking online classes, like more than 50% of their classes. And that's just gonna keep trickling down totally. into our students. And all these virtual schools, high schools and middle schools in all states across this country are growing for yeah. various reasons. The reasons you guys listed about homeschool. I mean, traditional homeschool, right, is when parents are determining the coursework. Mm -hmm. And then there are co-ops or virtual schools who still have like standards that they meet. Right things like that. So yeah. I just think if we don't start thinking forward thinking as ministry leaders on how to tackle this topic, we're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. Cuz yeah. it's going to culture's already changing. We just have to figure out how to change with it. But I also agree what you were saying like each student is doing all of these different like online courses or parents have decided to do homeschool for a particular reason. Like there there is some sort of reason as to why like maybe the kid was bullied in school, mm -hmm. like back in grade school. And then they're like, nope, no way. We're we're pulling you out because you're just gonna get a better care here at home or right. something happened or, you know, for whatever reason, I think it impacts how you engage that student because there could be a, a story behind yep. all of that. 
that for each student is going to be different. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a great place to start as far as, you know, uh, connecting with and reaching homeschooled students in your ministry sort of begins with knowing their story and their background, just like we do with all students. You know, we, we encourage connecting with and, and getting personal with the students in your ministry. And, you know, part of that is not just almost making fun of homeschooling from the get-go, but knowing that, hey, they might be homeschooling for a reason. And it might not just be because, you know, they're afraid of the big, bad public school system. There might be, uh, that, I mean, there might be a, a legitimate reason there that they're uh, they don't want to, you know, use the public school system, but there might be other legitimate reasons too. And I think getting to know that, uh, that story is a good starting point. Um, so can, can we, what you said there, yeah. I think probably is maybe a, another good thing to throw here. Why does homeschooling get made fun of? And if this isn't, if this is an intention that, that y'all face as ministry leaders, I frequently hear homeschooling <coughs> jokes yeah. from people who were homeschooled or people who weren't. So is that a good place to say, what, what is it about that that creates that tension? I think anything that's different gets made fun of. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I think public school is kind of the norm. Everyone is, you know, kind of, everyone else kind of just goes to public school and anything that is different or unusual or doesn't make sense is something that people just want to make fun of. You know, it's just easier to do that, which mm -hmm. is why I think homeschool is a part of I mean, and that. part of it is because some of uh, the reputations are true as far as homeschoolers tend to be, uh, I mean, I'm going to generalize here, but they're less brave, they're less social, they're more uh, conservative, they're they're uh, awkward a lot of times because, uh, because of the way that they're raised in the environment they're living their lives in. And that just sets them up to be made fun of, to be bullied, to be you know, poked at as far as that goes. That's definitely not true of all homeschoolers. Obviously, Tyler and I are sitting here and we're very cool people, right? Right? It's generous. Right? It's generous. <laughs> so cool. No, you guys are no, so cool. Thank, thank you. Thank we're you. honored to no, be at but, the same table as you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but, but it's true. Like, they're they're not all the same, but it's easy yeah. to generalize. Is you're saying like there's a stereotype right, of... Totally a more isolated, socially awkward totally. homeschool kid. Whether right. that's we true all, or not. We all know that. Exists. It totally exists. And I know it's not true for every kid who is homeschooled. Yeah. But I think it's true for a lot of them. I mean, the stereotype exists for a reason. And part of it, I think, is when you're not surrounded by kids your age who are going to point out anytime you're doing something that's weird, then you don't realize it's weird. Yeah. Like you have the student sitting in your youth group who, while you're talking, they're knitting the whole time. And you're like, um, like, do you want to participate? And so, it, you know, you, you don't want to make them feel experience? weird. Yeah. Oh, for a hundred percent for sure. Or the kid who shows up. Or brings up a book. Or brings reading reads it the, the entire corner. time. Yeah. Or shows up to group <laughs> in their like dragon right. con mask and okay. won't take it off the whole time. Like oh. things that... Um, well, to be honest, like middle school in general, they're yeah. all weird. So I mean, I just, even kids who go to public they're school, all, yeah, they're wearing tails and yeah. ears yeah. and like, there's all kinds of things, but I think- The knitting is a new one for me. So that was- Oh, that 100% has that's happened great. more than once. That's great. For sure. Wow. Huh. <laughs> I guess I was a great communicator. <laughs> 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 he really wanted to pay attention. But I, but kind of uh, kind of pulling us back a little bit, there I think homeschoolers tend to be somewhat difficult to reach though sometimes because uh, I want to refer back to a word you used uh, Ashley, a few minutes ago, their their worlds are somewhat decentralized, and I think that's what's 
as as much as culture is heading to a decentralized school system, you know, and world, uh, homeschooling has been that for a very long time. While public school and private schools have a place that students students are going. So if you're a ministry leader who wants to learn the culture of the students you want to reach, who wants to connect with students in your community, you have a place to go. And homeschoolers are so decentralized, there's not, you're, you're not going to go to someone's home to, yeah. to learn about their culture, you know, as far as, you know, uh, homeschooling goes. But I think traditionally, um, a lot of homeschool students, especially in middle school, don't have access to a centralized place like a social media mm-hmm. platform. So I think a lot of times the stereotype might exist or it, they have trouble socially fitting in because they might not have heard that album that everybody's talking about on social media. And they may not be able to connect to your ministries outside of actually being there because they don't have a way to. Yeah, Yeah, it's like there's this, uh, with homeschooling for better or worse, there's greater availability of isolation. Of when you, if, if you do traditional schooling, you are forced to be in front of peers probably five days a week. With homeschooling, that might not be the case. For some students, that is that is the case. You might have a different kind of uh, uh, educational structure, but there's also a chance that you could go five to seven days a week without seeing peers. It's kind of up to the parents and how they structure it, mm-hmm. but there's a greater availability of isolation if that's kind of the avenue that, mm-hmm. that the schooling yeah. goes. All right, so so we're talking a whole lot about the tensions that maybe homeschoolers feel and the, the, the way that their worlds work, you know, as far as uh, a middle school or a high school student. But let's kind of flip it to the other side uh, because we do have two ministry leaders here, Ashley, Jean. I would love to know what tensions do you face as a ministry leader knowing that there are or could be homeschoolers uh, walking into your environments every week? Yeah, I think always just making sure that they feel like that they belong and that they're not not any different from any of the other students that we've got in our ministry area. So we don't make like just a small group of just homeschooled kids, you know, but we may place them in groups that maybe they, there are kids that maybe go to private school that maybe have the same view, you know, similar views as them. Um, We we did have one situation where um, one of the groups was all like a, public, they were all public schools, but some of the issues that they were kind of talking about in small group were a little bit more on the extreme side that the parents were kind of like, ah, our kids, we, they are just not ready or Mm. they just don't know about these kinds of situations. And it was a conversation that we just had to have to be like, all right, well, this may not be the best group for them. So we, we can partner together with you to find Mm. a a better small group for, Mm. for that matches your student um, and caters to them and (laughs) makes them feel like that they are are comfortable to share and feel like that they are heard and belong. Yeah, wow. I think I'd add to that. Um, I know for me and my experience, um, a lot of homeschool parents didn't want their kids in a small group with public school kids for that exact reason. Like they didn't want them mm-hmm. exposed to what other kids were going through. And I, I remember feeling like, I don't really know the right answer here. Like, I don't know, should I have them in their own small group? But then at the same time, is that helping them be exposed to like reality or outside their bubble? Um, is that is it more helpful for them to be in a small group with people who are living in their same community, even though they go to a different school? Um, yeah. I don't really know the right answer for that, but I know that was a huge tension. And uh, the other tension of having small groups that have homeschool students and uh, traditional public or private school students combined is 
um, a lot of times we would have either the student or the parent complain that there was like too much joking around happening, mm -hmm. at least in middle school mm -hmm. ministry, or it wasn't deep enough. Um, and so that was a, a thing that would come up a lot. And then also when students would come to the ministry and they're like 10 years old, but they're in seventh grade. Mm, yeah, and you're like, where do you place them? Right. Because okay, yes, they're learning math at a seventh grade level, but they're ten. So right. developmentally, they're still in preteen ministry, and so you know they haven't even entered into middle school, you know, socially or developmentally. So how do you navigate? And that would come up a lot because, as you were saying, Tyler, with homeschool, you have an opportunity to take a fast track through yeah. your education, and you can advance quicker. Um, not necessarily developmentally, but maybe, you know, in your learning. So I think that was a big tension um, that we felt. Mm -hmm. And also when you talked about like letting them know they're included and they're not different, I think that was hard because a lot of times they'd feel left out, especially when we make an effort to try to be relevant to culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were so out of touch with what was going on in culture mm -hmm. because they lived in this bubble. It was how do we help them feel like they belong and they're not weird, mm -hmm. but at the same time be relevant to kids who are up to date on culture. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is some like parenting is also different. Like mm -hmm, you mentioned, mm -hmm. like parents are the ones who are teaching some of these classes in yeah. homeschool, like the way you parent, the reasons why they've decided to homeschool. Like I feel like that all kind really plays a role and impacts that student mm -hmm. and really understanding and partnering with those parents to understand okay, like where, I guess, where they are in, I guess, in the, the scope of things, like yeah. where, where where that student would best fit within your ministry area. Yes, yeah, so much of it is driven by parents, which might not be as true for a traditionally yeah. schooled kid. So like, and that may be a, a, a practical thing of like, may, maybe it's a good call to get to know the parents and just see where they're coming from and meet them. And usually if you meet them, you kind of get a, a pulse for like, okay, so this like, this makes sense now why your kid believes this or something like that. Like it's, it's context for what that kid has been experiencing potentially and why why yeah. that's the way it is. And maybe for me, um, maybe it's because I was a public school teacher prior to being the youth pastor, but um, I always felt like a lot of times traditional homeschool parents felt suspicious of me mm -hmm. or they were always the one questioning what we were talking about, how were we talking about it? You know, they were showing up at the parent preview nights. So, yeah. I mean, I agree, like when we get into like, how can we better partner with parents of homeschool kids and all of that, I'd love to dive into that. But I do feel like, um, the pressure is different yep. and they're the first to raise a flag on anything that feels right. off base. And like I said, I think especially in middle school, parents are like that in general because they're all over the board in middle school mm -hmm. and developmentally, maturity, puberty wise, all over. And then you add the homeschool dynamic on top of it it feels so sensitive and so personal. Mm. And so I'm excited we're having the conversation because I feel like I didn't do it all right. And I'd yeah. love to learn <laughs> what I could have done better. So I wanna ask Tyler a question. So, because a few minutes ago, we were talking about small groups a little bit there and like, you know, how, how do you decide where to place a specific homeschooler? And did you grow up, Tyler, going to a, a, a ministry with small groups? Uh, I went to a ministry that had a small group, so which, which I think is true for true yeah, for a lot of churches. Totally. Of if you have probably you know ten to twenty consistent you know students yeah. in your in your ministry, it ends up be operating a lot like a small group. So mm -hmm. I I was a you know beneficiary of small group ministry, whether my 
you know, ministry leader knew it or not. <laughs> right. So I guess my question for you uh, is where there were there other homeschoolers in your ministry or uh, were you like the only one? Did you ever feel like you were the only one yeah. uh, or kind of uh, outcast is a strong word, but like kind of almost, uh, yeah, you, you this, see what I'm saying? This is going to sound like a joke, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, yes, there were other homeschoolers and they were my siblings. <laughs> so... Uh, other than that, in 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 the ministry, in youth group specifically, there were no other homeschoolers. So I mm-hmm. life for me looked like jumping from kind of like pocket of social circles to pocket of like I had the my my co op friends that I, I did school with, and then I had a soccer team that I hung out with, and then I had youth group, and all these friends were in totally different circles, and like they might not cross over. So there, yeah, there's a chance that that they might be the only one that they know in multiple circles because right. of just how homeschooling operates in some ways. Yeah, I think my experience was very similar to that and kind of you know, going back to the uh, small group thing, I went to a larger church where we did have more than one small group. And I can remember uh, I was plugged into uh, a group that uh, I was the only homeschooler and everyone else went to a school. And I remember that was really tough because I did feel like an outsider because to your point, the rest of the guys in that group uh, did life together. You know, they had the same classes together. They had the same soccer or baseball practice together. And then they went to and were part of the same small group in church. Mm -hmm. And that's great for them. Uh, But I always remember it was always tough to become one of the guys in the group because I didn't have all of the other shared experiences. And I don't know the answer, but I always remember feeling like I was, they didn't know where to put me maybe, so they just plugged me in somewhere. And I would say, well, I don't know what the answer is. uh, Just plugging them in somewhere is probably not the best way to do that. But at the same time, if you have a whole group of of homeschoolers in a group, I don't know if that would work either. So I don't know if it's like you treat homeschoolers like they're their own school. So you have a, you know, a half and half kind of a thing. But um, yeah, so I don't know where else. Yeah. And that's that. But kind of what you're saying, too, is like that's it. That goes back a little bit to like commonality of Mm -hmm. like when when students engage with other students, usually they're looking first for like the thing that's common. Yeah. And it just tends to be in high school or middle school. The first question you get asked is where do you go to school? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's like your baseline for the thing that creates connection. So when you when you have something that is different than most or kind of you're in a, a minority group when it comes to to your schooling, that's the first thing that that kind of is a uh, the, the box that doesn't get checked when yeah. it comes to are we going to get together? Because whether you have a good view or homeschoolers or not, you just don't go to the same school. Right. So it's just, there's a, a hurdle there already. I wonder if that will change at all as um, virtual school becomes more of a normal thing. I wonder if we'll see a shift in that being a negative quality. Like I I think if I could go back as a teenager, I'd be like, I'll do online school. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I can focus on all the other things I'm passionate about. Right. And I have that much more time. And I'm talking like a three on the Enneagram right now. I'm like, <laughs> more time in the day to do what I love. Yeah. But like, I think I would go back and yeah. do it all online. Yeah, which is a great like, and, and that's probably, there are probably a lot of students that are like that. that are like, yeah, I'm homeschooled. It's awesome. Why do you not think it's awesome? Right. <laughs> Or you have the student that's, I'm homeschooled and I don't want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, I have two kids of my own who are not in grade school yet, but online sounds awesome for us. Yeah. 
but it's because we want to just be in charge of our own time like we want to be able to control that and not have it dictated by or controlled by somebody else outside of us I and maybe that sounds control freakish but I don't know it just makes it more flex it just seems so much more appealing because it is more flexible well even like think family vacations like they can still go to school yeah from wherever they are we'll take it it's virtual like (laughs) i don't know i just wonder if we're gonna see a a shift and like this is how it is but this is what we're moving to yeah i mean you're you're right ashley it's going to keep decentralizing and keep you know evolving and that's why i think we've got to stay on top of these conversations and keep talking about these things but i still think this dynamic is always going to be attention to manage and wrestle with. There's still going to be somewhat of attention here, uh, which is why I am glad we're talking about this. So to get things a little bit more practical though, for the homeschoolers that are in our ministries right now, what do homeschoolers need from our ministries that maybe other students or traditional students don't need quite as much? What what elevated needs might they have that we're sometimes uh, not realizing? Can I ask you two a question? As people who I were just asked you a question, I know but that's in response fine. to your okay. question. I asked you a question about your question. I want to know because we were talking about where you place a homeschooler, like right. in their own small group, or do you spread them out amongst small groups? What would have been helpful for you? So my youth group didn't have the tension of whether to split or not to split, but I did have a youth pastor who saw homeschooling as an opportunity, not something that was gonna make me different or not a part of the youth group. So he actually ended up giving me more leadership opportunity because he knew I had more flexibility in my schedule. Mm-hmm. I had more capacity time-wise. I just had extra time where I could uh, help out with stuff. So he actually helped develop me as a leader because of the opportunity that I had because of my schooling. Yeah. So as an example of how to-, how to That's awesome. Shout out to that youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. seriously. I need to start doing that. I need to start looking for homeschool <laughs> students right. or students that are like online and be like, hey, you want to help out? Put the decorations up for the, our new t-shirts. event that's happening up? Yeah, yeah, that's ingenious. Well, I mean, you, we're, we're talking about, one of my notes was, I think one of the things homeschoolers need is more of a place to belong because a lot of homeschoolers don't necessarily have that as much. Like traditional students have, they've got homeroom or they have the soccer field or they have this classroom or the library or whatever. Homeschoolers don't really have as many places. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but like it's your home. Um, and to have a place and to invite a homeschooler to the church to help out to you know, this or that, it almost makes the church more of a place for them to belong outside of their kitchen table uh, because that's not a fun place for a ninth grade guy to feel like they belong, yeah. like their kitchen table or the couch mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So it's, I think, uh, I think that's a great way to uh, pour into and connect with the lives and the students, you know, who are homeschooling in a unique way. And to get back to, I guess, the question that you answered my question with, Ashley, about like, where do you place homeschoolers? Like, what did I think I would have needed? This is just my personal thoughts and experience, but I would have loved to have been placed in a group with other homeschoolers and more, you know, traditional or private school students too. like almost make homeschoolers a school of themselves, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know, maybe some ministries do that, but if you think about it, we're, the reason we place students in 
seventh grade or ninth grade small groups with students from that same school is because they'll have shared life experiences. They can do life together better. They can talk about, hey, you know, they might be on the same sports team or whatever. Um, and homeschoolers have that same thing if they can connect with other homeschoolers in the group, but they might mm-hmm. not have those same shared experiences with other students in the group who go to traditional school. I think when I was in high school, I would have preferred to be in a group that wasn't just homeschoolers because I spent so much time in in classes or me personally had a homeschool soccer team. So I was kind of ready to be outside of the homeschooling world mm-hmm. and I was looking for opportunities to do that. So that was, that was yeah. true of my case, but I think there's also a tension there of if, you, if, if you're the only homeschooler in a group that all goes to the same school, well, that, that, that's gotta feel a little bit isolating mm-hmm. too. And that's, that's gonna be hard to connect too. So I think that's, right. it's probably, a re- this is a really difficult question that probably doesn't have an easy answer. Yeah, to. I mean, we do kind of a mix of of homeschool and then kids that are like in private or there's other schools that we don't have a, a huge ton that we're mm-hmm. pulling from, like a school that we're pulling from that we just kind of, you know, put them together. And um, it seems to be working for us, like yeah. the, the the those homeschool students with the, the other kids that just don't have a lot of other students from their school. They just all bond over the fact that well, it's just us. Like, cool. Like, I'll get to know you, and then, and then, I think the the key person in there is that small group leader mm-hmm. in making sure that they feel like everyone belongs. Every there's no difference here. Like, we we're all in here to to mm-hmm. do life together and journey through this together. And each one of us, we're going to struggle through different things, but we're all here together to to yeah. figure that out. Yeah, I think the key would just be you don't want to make a homeschooler feel alone, and so. I think the balance is, you know, maybe you don't want to do a whole group of homeschoolers together. That's totally understandable. You also don't want to do one homeschooler in a group of students who go to all one yeah. school. Right. Um, because then we are setting a kid up to be an only. For sure. You know? Yeah. The way that we did it was, you know, they were organized by their school or area that they lived mm-hmm. and homeschool kids could kind of pick which group they wanted to go into. But now I'm rethinking that because I'm, I'm not sure that was the right call because it kind of makes it feel like everyone else has an assignment and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure that was the right call, <laughs> but it's, I, I don't know. I don't know, you know, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong way as much as like you were saying, it depends on the kid. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm thinking of this one specific girl in small group, sixth grader, she was homeschooled and it was a group of like, um, public school, private school, and homeschool in this group. And, you know, as I'm leading that group, she keeps using the phrase play date. And I'm thinking she doesn't realize that's not a term you use anymore when she yeah. gets to middle school. Mm-hmm. She has no idea. And the other girls are like totally weirded out that she keeps using the word play date. And I'm thinking if <laughs> right now I'm like, well, had I had her in an environment where I could, maybe that's something extra she needs is a coaching in that kind of a social yeah. cue of, hey, like we don't, I mean, I don't know if I would say, we don't use that word anymore because then it sounds like a bad word, but I'd have to think about how I would approach that. But I'm thinking back to that, how do we create an environment where we can help move them forward in a way that's honoring to them mm-hmm. and they feel confident in it. Yeah. yeah. And I think in this day and age, like we are moving towards more of like the online homeschool, like that's increasing more and more that as, working in ministry like we've got to start kind of anticipating yeah. more of that and being prepared and 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 ready for when these students start coming into our environments yeah. to put them in these these groups so that they can 
feel like they are loved. Yeah. Totally. That's great. And uh, so as we get closer to wrapping up though, I, I want to circle back to uh, something that I think Ashley, you brought up way earlier in this conversation and that's parents. Um, because uh, we believe that parents are a, a, a crucial part of what it looks like to pour into the, the faith of the students we lead. So what does it look like to partner with the parents of a homeschooling student? Do, does that look any different than the other students, uh, parents that we lead? I think there's a chance you might need to work with them more. Mm-hmm. And this again, there's, there's a full range of what it looks like to homeschool, but uh, a lot of homeschool parents are used to curating experiences and sort of being the the sole decider of what their kid learns and that sometimes that's a really good thing um but sometimes that can create a sense of well i don't want you teaching my kid that or i don't want you teaching my kid that so (laughs) the more you can be proactive in partnering with them and and making sure that they know that that you're on their side and hey here's what we're going to be teaching i just wanted to give you a heads up so that they can do what they do best of kind of looking out for their kid it it only can help you in their relationship just to know that that they're coming from an angle of what they do as an educator and as a parent is help curate learning for their kids so as a church you can partner with them in that and not yeah. before against them i love that i mean i definitely think turning the volume up on partnering with parents i mean all jokes aside parents who are homeschooling their kids are doing so because they really care about their kid and they Mm -hmm. want the best for their kid whether it's they need to learn in a special way or they need you know they they're overcoming something or they are on the fast track to something else whether it's Mm -hmm. athletics or academics i think parents of homeschooled children are amazing and as frustrating as it can be sometimes as a youth worker, because they're the ones you get emails from or calls about, or they call your senior pastor and jump over your head. And then you get called into that, you know, the executive pastor's room. And they're like, what did you talk about? Like as frustrating as that can be. And I know that's a real frustration. The heart of it is they care. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you were saying, Tyler, is partnering with parents. And I think, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about the importance of using technology to be transparent about what we're talking about Mm -hmm. with students, whether that's especially in middle school ministry, when you're talking about sensitive topics like uh, self-harm or suicide or sex or fill in the blank, whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. how do you equip the parents who want to be the number one resource in their kid's life? And we want that. That's our whole strategy at Orange is we want parents to be the number one, uh, you know, we want them to be the number one source of information to their yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that right. when school's decentralizing, church is decentralizing? How do we leverage things like podcasts and YouTube and and parent meetings and live streaming? And man, we live in an awesome time where we can do this as youth yeah. workers. It's gonna take a lot of work and changing our budgets, but I think we don't have a choice if we want to keep moving forward yeah. in youth ministry. I, I would also add that, you know, for as much as, as I'm a small group leader, but as often as I get frustrated with the lack of response I get from parents and the lack of like, they're not responding to my emails, they're not responding to my texts or phone calls or whatever, uh, the lack of quote unquote parent engagement that we often sometimes feel, even though it may, not, may or may not be true. Uh, the home parents of homeschoolers are usually on the other side of that because to your point uh both you uh, ashley and tyler like they often parents of homeschoolers want to be more involved like that's the reason why they're doing it and i think we can lean into that as mm-hmm. uh ministry totally. leaders and small group leaders 
and take advantage of the fact that, hey, they, they want to be more involved. Maybe I don't love the fact that they're asking about, hey, why is this bottom line this way? Or why are you using this scripture this way? As uh, frustrating as that can sometimes be, the, the other side of that is, hey, we can, uh, I, I don't have to try to connect with them because they want to connect. Mm-hmm. And we can use that in our ministries uh, to, to pour into the lives of that student and honestly, all of our students, like we can partner with them and use their help in our ministries in a lot of ways uh, because they want to be more involved. And that's not to say that public school parents don't care, but totally. I think we're saying that homeschool parents naturally have an antenna up already. So let's right. just, let's the, take advantage of that. There's opportunity. an opportunity there yeah. that, uh, that we can tap into. So as we wrap up, what would you say your final thoughts would be as far as what can we do to serve and connect with the homeschoolers in our ministries? Yeah, I think we just help them feel like that they belong, that they're not any different from any of our other students um, because that's what all middle middle schoolers want is just to be loved and belonged and that someone knows them and hears them and that um, that they matter. Um, I would say two callbacks to what we talked about earlier um, where we talked about a, a lot of times either homeschoolers themselves get frustrated in small groups or large group because it's not deep enough or parents mm-hmm. challenge, it doesn't seem deep enough. Um, and what I've, and I don't have like research to back this up, but in my experience, um, a lot of times the homeschoolers in the youth ministry may have um, maybe more biblically literate, but um, it's the application of what does that look like playing out with other people and in life. And so as a youth worker or a small group leader, I would really lean into that is, yes, they may know the Sunday school answers. And yes, they may know the answers to how that Bible story goes. But what does that look like in their life and leaning into that piece? Mm -hmm. Um, And when parents challenge you about the depth of your small group or the depth of your messages, asking the question, how do you measure depth? Like, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times in that conversation, you can help them understand your desire to help them learn how to apply the truth that they already know, um, that the parents are doing an incredible job teaching them. And the second thing I wanted to call back to, Tyler, was something you said earlier about your awesome youth pastor who gave you leadership opportunities because of your flexible schedule. And I mean, like it's such a part of your story of how you ended up here, which is really awesome. Um, and so I, it's inspirational and I can't wait to see Jean, how you kind of implement that in your ministry. That's really cool. But one of the thoughts I had, if I'm being honest, and I, I don't want to be offensive at all in saying this, but I think it really depends on the kid because yeah. I don't think just any homeschool kid is who you should elevate into a leadership position just because yeah. they have time. Um, because it can actually maybe do more damage either to that kid or to the culture of your ministry. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean to homeschool kids, Ty, please don't take it that way. Mm-hmm. I just think the importance of getting to know every kid and yeah. making sure they feel like they belong um, and, and you know what their strength is and leveraging the strength. Because Tyler, you have leadership abilities and your youth pastor saw that in you, but he That's couldn't right. have, <laughs> yes, yes. But not every kid, not that not every kid has leadership ability. But it goes for all kids. Like yeah. all kids, you should be kind of, there's an application, like you should be interviewing them yeah. to make sure that they are fit for that mm-hmm. leadership role. And it's not just, all right, whoever is available gets to fill that, you know? Right. And if it happens to be a homeschooler, good luck. They might have more time to spend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's great. Tyler, do you have anything? Any I, final thoughts? So my, my final thoughts would just be, um, 
I think this is true of all students, like you said, Gene. Um, but I think this is more true when students have differences that are more apparent, is that they need to know that they're accepted and not yeah. called out, that the unique thing about them is information an opportunity, not a categorization. Yeah. Um, so that means what you say from stage matters. Um, if you are deprecating to homeschoolers or calling them out for being weird or something like that, uh, that gives students permission to say those same things. So totally. just be careful about the language used from stage. And if you can elevate them, like when yeah. I communicated, I would always make sure to say I was homeschooled just so I could identify in that moment with those group of students that, yeah. that did have that similar experience. That's so good. That's, that's great. And I would just add that as a homeschooler, one of the things that I wanted most, uh, and I feel like some of the students that I lead that are homeschoolers want most is they just want to be normal. You know, they just want to fit in. They want a place to, to belong, like Gene's been saying. But, um, you know, that student that you're talking about, Ashley, that, you know, may not be fit for a leadership position, they might not want that leadership position because right. they just might want a place to be normal and to be treated yeah. like every other student, not called out because they do have extra time or because they do have this or that mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of a thing. So uh, treat every kid uh, like they that this is a place for them to belong and be themselves and be normal. And uh, I think that's, that's, I think that's a great way to end yeah. this. Yeah. So thank you, Tyler, for sharing your experience uh, homeschooling. Uh, Gene, Ashley, thank you for sharing your ministry experience leading homeschoolers. And thank you for listening and watching this week's episode of Rethinking Youth Ministry. The podcast doesn't have to stop here. The conversation doesn't have to stop. We want to hear how you think the changing world of homeschooling and kind of the decentralizing of school uh, is going to affect our youth ministry worlds. And how is homeschooling going to change in the coming years? How have you seen it change and how is it changing? in your ministry? That was a lot of questions, but we want to keep talking about this. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Just visit rethinkingym.org for a link or search for Orange Students on Facebook. You'll find us there this week. Thank you so much for watching, listening, and we'll talk to you next time.